Welcome to the four-part teaching series, Intimacy with Christ, featuring Yvonatia. In this series, you'll learn about your relationship with Christ and the journey of the believer from the book of Song of Solomon. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to part four of four of our amazing teaching series, Intimacy with Christ, featuring Yvonatia. It has just been an absolute delight. Uh, I'm I'm just I, I'm very excited to go back to these episodes in the future. Um, just a lot of revelation, uh, and this is this is definitely one of those series that you want to share with people. Um, you know, just because there's so much revelation, and like I've said ad, ad nauseum now, Song of Songs is often an overlooked book in the Bible because a it makes people uncomfortable, b uh, they don't understand its importance. Sometimes see all of the above, as was the case. I mean, I wouldn't say I didn't necessarily think it was unimportant, but um, you know, you guys know where I stand on it. So, all right, we're gonna jump in because we got a lot of meat. We got a lot of meat to chew on, you guys. This is not milk. This is meat. You know what I'm saying? This is deep dive into scripture. You know, our guest today. You guys know her, author, teacher, extraordinaire. She's also in super studious mode because she is studying to become Doctor Yvonne. How about that? So we get just like the, we get the full blast of studious Yvonne right now. So let's give it up for our guest today, founder of Celebrate Freedom Ministries, Yvonne Akia. Hello. Jeff, thank you so much. You are always so kind, so encouraging. Thank you for being Hyping up, you know, getting you hyped up, getting you psyched up. <laughs> Elijah Thanks. Fire. Yeah. Yay. So. All right. So we're on part four, which yes. you're covering the last two chapters, correct? Or yes. are you covering some of chapter six still as well? Well, we ended last time um, and I left that last verse of chapter six because it sort of hangs or it combines with chapter seven and eight. So mm. I guess before I get into it, maybe I'll give a one minute wrap as to where we were up to. Yeah. So uh, last teaching, which is part three, um, we covered chapter five and six. And in those chapters, the, the bride or the Shulamite, it's, it resembles this ordinary person whom God just, you know, who unites with God. But during this time, he gives her a revelation. He says to her, you are a garden enclosed. And she doesn't know what that means. She thinks she still has to go out and look for him. She does. She goes to places. She gets beaten, bruised. Um, and then once she gets past all these people, she finds him. And where does she find him? In her garden. So she gets to understand that God is not somewhere where I can go out to places to meet. He is within. When they ask Jesus, where's the kingdom? Do we go right? Do we go left? He said, the kingdom of God is within. So she reaches that revelation that she is in him and that he is in her. And so if you remember, Jeff, at the beginning, there was a time when he said to her, would you come up with me to the mountain? And she was like, no. And, um, you know, she said to him, you know, she likes him being on the couch. She likes mm -hmm. going to church, but she doesn't like going up the mountain. What she didn't understand was that she never has to go up. He is the one who will provide the carriage to take her up. 
So we, you know, we landed chapter six, end of chapter six, where she is sitting on the carriage and because of her union with God, she's beginning to be lifted up high above. So um, it starts by this uh, Song of Songs, chapter six, verses 13. Come back, come back, O Shulamite. So other believers are looking at this ordinary girl and she's being lifted up. She's, she's starting to be used by God. They could see that there's something and they don't want that. They want her to stay here. And we got to be careful because when we begin to be used mightily by God, those around us will be like, don't go too far. Like, you know, don't go crazy. Just stay, just stay here. So that's what's actually happening. She's being lifted up in the chariot, which he provided for her. And they're like, you know, come back. But where is she going? She is being lifted up to minister with the king into the most forgotten places. So she is now going with him to places where normal people who love to do couches and they love to do comfortable church, they won't go. But she's now not afraid of the dawn, if you remember. She's not afraid of anything. She really wants to go. So she's being caught up into the chariot of God as his bride. And everyone around her, they're like, come back, come back. And then she's saying this to, to them, Jeff. Why would you gaze on the Shulamite? In other words, I'm an ordinary girl. Why are you looking at me? And that is her humility. She wants to say, look at him. Don't look at me. I'm not being lifted up because, you know, of something that I want. I'm in him. And one of the things God does when you die to self is that he lifts you up. You think about Philippians 2.7. It says that Jesus humbled himself and, you know, he was emptied of himself. Therefore, God elevated him mm -hmm. and gave him a name that is above every other name. So what happened here is that she's gone through the death experience. She is now alive in Christ. And what is happening without you realizing, Jeff, you'll be used by him. Without you trying to even go into ministry, he will use you because you are now in him. And so she's just being lifted up and they want her back. And this is a call to someone because when God begins to use you, those around you will be like, you know, uh, and it will come in a way of being, you know, protective. You know, Jeff, I'm, I'm really protective over you. Like, you know, don't go into the movie industry now. It's, yeah. it's wild. Well, people say that about missions too. Don't, don't, <laughs> no, God, God, God doesn't want you to do that. I'm like, that's not what he's saying to me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then the voice of Jesus comes in and he says this, that she is like the dance of Mahanim. Now, a lot of people don't know what Mahanim is. But Mahanim is the name of the gate of the promised land. In other mm. words, don't call, don't ask her to return. Let her, let her go into the world, what more into the wild places because she is the gate of the promised land. In other words, she's gonna be a door who will bring so many souls to me. Not just that, that same name in Hebrew means two camps of angel dancing. And so he is saying that she causes even angels to dance because of her devotion, because of her love to me. Wow. So he's like, stop asking her to come back. Let her. And so he begins now to address his bride 
because he wants her to be, con- you know, um, confirmed into who she is. He is trying to help her walk in her identity. So this is what he says. We jump into chapter seven. He says to her, how beautiful are your feet with sandals or with shoes? We need to understand that during this time, slaves never wore sandals. You remember the prodigal son in Luke 15. When he came back to his father, he wanted to come back and work as a slave. Remember when he said to him, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Let me just be one of your hired servants. The first thing the father does is he says, bring out the fattened calf and put a sandal on his feet. So he's trying to tell him, you're not a slave, you're a son. And a son will always remain a son no matter what. So he is looking at her and he's saying, girl, you are wearing sandals. You are a daughter of the most high God. And where do I get this from? The next verse, a prince's daughter. So you are the daughter of the prince. You are a daughter of the most high God. The joints of your thighs are like jewels. The work of the hand of a cunning work, um, workman. What does that mean? Whenever we get to see steps in the Bible, it means this. How beautiful are your feet, which is every step is being taken in the will of God. In other words, I like the way you walk. You are, don't go back because remember, she's being lifted up. They're asking her to take back steps. And what did Jesus say? That you cannot, if you go for the kingdom, you cannot stop and you cannot look back. Even you think of uh, Lot's wife. What happened? She was asked to leave the city because the city was evil. Mm -hmm. And she stopped. And what did she do? She She, looked back. She looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. (laughs) And this is the thing. So many of us, we go. But then when all these voices come, come back. This is not your calling. This is not where God wants you to be. What do you do? You become double-minded or you enter a place of compromise. And so he's confirming her. He's telling her, don't go back. You're doing great. Your steps are in the right direction. And then he talks about her thighs. These are the joints indicate the admirable action and the order of her steps. And so how do you walk? You walk with your thighs. It sort of, you know, dictates the the way that you walk. And then he says something that you just look, the way you walk is the way of a cunning workman. What does that mean? He is the one who has melted and shaped her actions and her steps in the fiery furnace of love. So the way she walks, the way, who's done all that? Who shaped the way she walks? Who shaped the sandals? Who even gave her the sandals? It was him. Mm -hmm. He did it in a cunning way, but that's not a bad word. It's like, you know, I did it in a way where you sort of didn't really know what I was doing in the background. I was doing a great work in you. You you didn't sort of get it. Mm -hmm. But right now, look at the way you walk and look at how ordered they are by God. Another way of saying that is if you've seen the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, he's teaching him how to do karate and he's like wax on wax off and he's like when am i gonna learn karate and then he's like take away take away the wax 
watch and learn. And then he realizes he learned karate. And God does it all the time. I call it Mr. miyagi uh, So yes. yeah, that's what happens and, here. And when he's doing it, you don't exactly, Jeff, you don't know what he's doing, but you end up walking in a way that freaks out the enemy. You end up walking in such boldness and such faith and people around you who don't walk in the same level of faith, mm -hmm. you will be radical to them. And yeah. there'll always be a call of, come back, come back. Yeah. Then he begins to speak about her navel um, is rounded like a goblet. What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into it. The navel is someone's capacity to receive. It's, it's, it's pretty much like, you know, your belly, but... But where is, when does your navel become really enlarged? Before a woman gives birth. Mm. That's when it's very stretched and it's round. So he is saying that look at your capacity to receive, but not just that, your capacity to give as well. It is round because it receives, not just that, it has the capacity to give back. And that's what, when you mature in the Lord, you receive and you give. You receive and you give and you yeah. never decrease. You're always overflowing with more and more. It is fitted to receive and prompt in dispensing. Mm -hmm. It is continually full of wine because it is full of the graces that and the gifts that I have bestowed on you. But then he says something crazy. Your belly is a heap of wheat. What, what do you do with wheat? You make you bread, you can grind it and make bread, you make flour, uh, exactly. cream of wheat, so what, I don't know, other, other things. Yeah. So what is he saying? What you carry, it will feed people. In mm. Middle Eastern culture, bread is the stable food of the land. Hmm. That is why Jesus said in John that I am the bread of life. When you are mature in the Lord, you don't go feeding people fluff. You don't just go and feed people a right. hyper grace gospel. Mm. You don't go and tell them, go live as you want. If you're saved, you're saved. I'm not even going to get into that gospel, but you know what I'm saying. You yeah. know, you do whatever you want. You pray the prayer of salvation. Go and commit adultery. Go and commit fornication. You're done. I'm sorry. That's not what is right. saying. He, yeah. He's saying in your belly, you carry the stable food. And when you eat bread, you feel stable. I know. And this sounds funny. Well, I want to well, ask something really quick, too. Because isn't the belly people often associate the spirit living in the belly or coming from the belly? Um, and I think that's like a very... Yes. Like that's yes. been like a, a belief sort of for a long time, even within, um, you know, I think even Bible scholars have talked about it. So is there significance with that, too? Absolutely. Think yeah. of John 7 when he said that if you thirst for the Holy Spirit, he said, he said, if you believe in me, as the scripture says, out of your belly, belly. will flow yeah. rivers. Yeah. And so. Absolutely, Jeff, and thank you for pointing that yeah. out. So her belly, and and you think about when a child is birthed, what is the first thing? They cut the umbilical cord, mm -hmm. and that's what forms the, you know, the navel later on. Mm -hmm. He's I even saying to you, you have the capacity to birth 
children unto me. You feed them bread. You are full of the river of life that is able to give fresh water. So he is, because you got to understand the tension, Jeff. Number one, in the scene, the bride is still wounded. Remember, she was just abused and hurt and she hasn't even recovered from the wounding. With all the wounding, she still says to him, I want you. I'm sick of love. I'm sick because your love, you know, I wanted you. And then she has another group of people saying to her, come back, come back, O Shulamite. Then she has his voice and that shows you the tension of how many voices are speaking to the believer on a daily basis. You wake up in the morning and you want to go and you want to preach the gospel. But then you have another voice saying, but who's going to pay the bills? Mm -hmm. But you need to go and get work. You have another voice saying, don't be radical for Jesus. This is what we're seeing here. She is surrounded by believers, the daughters of Jerusalem. And what are they saying to her? Come back. So he begins to tell her all those things to basically say to her, you cannot possibly go back. I have not called you to live an ordinary life. I called you to live a supernatural life marked by my grace and by my goodness. There's going to people, there's going to be people who will want to live the ordinary life, but it's not for you. It's not for someone who has the seal of the Holy Spirit. So the tension Jeff here is that she wants to go with him. She is rising above herself even, but then she has voices telling her, come back, come back, O Shulamite. So he now begins to tell her, you can't go back. Look at your belly. Look at what has developed in there. There's bread in there. There's the river of life in there. There is wine. And remember, you know, that wine is the drink of the mature. Right. So you can't be underage and go and have wine. Mm -hmm. So he's basically, and then... In the Bible, it says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled in the spirit. So in other words, when we refer to wine, he's saying to her, girl, you're full of the Holy Spirit. You're full of the river of life. You're full of solid food. You can't go back. You can't listen and come back. That's what he's saying. And then he says this. This is beautiful. Your breasts are like two fawns or like two little baby gazelles. And I'll tell you why in a second. Like a twin fawns of a gazelle. Why is he saying that? Her breasts, basically what he's saying, you are not only a mother, you're a nurse. Mm. Not every mother is able to nurse. Sometimes you have mothers, but somehow we don't know why they don't have uh, milk coming through their breasts and they go out and they buy formula or somehow, you know, um, milk, mm-hmm. powdered milk. But he's saying that you're not just a mother. And this is very deep because so many people, the apostle Paul said this, you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you could be a mother, but you're not a nursing mother. And that's when people get hurt Because I birth you in the Lord, but think of a baby, the baby's birth, but I have no food to give the baby. What's going to happen? The baby will end up either dying or being put on foreign food. Mm -hmm. But he's saying to her, you're not just a mother. You are a nurse as well because there's milk in there. 
And then, and he's mentioning her breasts because they, though they are constantly being drawn. Now, this is supernatural. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. They never decreased in milk. But on the opposite or the contrary, they are constantly increasing with the graces and the virtues that he fills them with. So that the measure of their supply is the measure of their fullness. Hmm. Now, that's deep. I tell you why. In the natural, when you see a mother that is nursing, normally the breast is full of milk. As the baby feeds, what will happen? The breast will empty. And then as a couple of hours go by, the body will produce more milk for the next feed. That's normal world understanding. Not with her. Not with her. Because she's constantly feeding from above and she's constantly giving, there is no decrease. There's always supply for whoever comes her way to feed food. And so he's basically saying, you can't go back. You just have to look at how much food you received from me and your capacity to give food. But why is he saying they look like a twin fawns of a gazelle? Young baby gazelles, um, what they actually do, this is beautiful. One of the church mothers said this, for as young gazelles depend on their mother's breast, so the spouse is always attached to him from whom she receives all the nourishment she needs. So when you look at two baby gazelles, they're just baby. You never see them wandering. They're always very close to their mother because they want to eat. So he's saying to her, that's what you are. You're so close to me. That's why I'm feeding you. And your breasts are so full of milk. That's why you're feeding others. So he's pretty much saying to her, Jeff, you've matured a lot. And he's trying to tell her, look at you. Look at how much you have matured. Look at, you know, all the fruit that I've bestowed on you. You can't go back. And then he begins to comment on her neck like an ivory tower. And remember, we said the neck is a picture of the strength of the soul. He mentions her eyes. And we spoke about eyes being a sign of purity. Um, And then he says this as the gate um, of Bath Rabim. But why does he say this? Why well, he even mentions her nose and he says to her that your nose is like Damascus. We don't understand. A nose is a picture of spiritual discernment. He's saying to her, you sniff the enemy out from afar. So whenever you get to hear of nose in the Bible, what do you do with your nose? You smell. Mm-hmm. And what do you smell? You're smelling the enemy. But what is Damascus? Damascus resembles a place where the enemy comes from. So whenever you read the Old Testament, you will know that many of God's enemies or the people of Israel, their enemies, they came from the Damascus gate. So he's saying to her, you have even grown in discernment. Hmm. Look at your nose. You sniff out the enemy. And that's a journey of maturation. So many believers, they don't know, they haven't developed discernment. And you know that being discernful is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. It is the discernment of spirit. And God wants his children to mature in this gift and in this area. 
even mm. to ask God, God, could you give me spiritual discernment? Because if you don't have that, you know what's going to happen. The enemy will come and will kill and steal and destroy. Mm. So even here, he's saying to her, girl, you can't go back. I know they're asking you to go back. Come back, Shulamite. You can't. Look at your nose. Look at how you, you sniff the enemy from so far. Look at how you even point in the direction from where the enemy is coming from. And that is highlighted by the word Damascus. And then he says to her, your head, um, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. The hair of your head is like the king's purple, bound by the water courses. What does that even mean? Mount Carmel head is the superior organ in the body or the, the uh, part of the body. It is like a mountain elevated into God. So he's saying to her, look at your head. It is elevated. Not just that. What happened on my, Mount Carmel? Elijah, Fire. throw down with the prophets of Baal. Yeah. <laughs> and we Showdown. were in that place. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so glorious. Yeah. He's saying that to her. He's saying that you were elevated high into God. I've given you victory. You are in the most elevated places. And you get to see how he's talking about the eyes, the hair, the belly, the breasts. He has not. Uh, missed anything out, not because he's trying to be erotic. No, it is a book of deep spirituality where he's trying to tell her, I have matured every part of your life. And so there's no room of going back. Hmm. But then he talks about hair. And if you remember, we said hair has to do with devotion. How Samson, his mother was asked never to make his hair be touched with a razor. John the Baptist, he never had to cut his hair because he was devoted to God. But not just that. Hair is the picture of glory. So he is First Corinthians out. 11, 15. Exactly. I totally looked that up, but I knew the verse. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. that's funny. But why does he mention the word purple, the king's purple? Yeah. Because he's, the king's purple, whenever you hear purple, the color purple has to do with royalty. In other words, her devotion and her glory are connected to water courses, both to perfect its brilliancy and its color. Where does it come from? It comes from the purple. It comes from the king himself. So whenever you hear of purple, it represents the king in his royalty. In other words, he's saying to her, your devotion has come from me. Your hair has come from me. Your glory has come from me. Everything you have, I have given to you. And it is connected to the water because I'm always perfecting the bril your brilliancy and every grace that has descended from me upon you. And then he says in verse 6, how beautiful you are and how pleasing my love with all your delights. Now, you gotta remember, Jeff, she's beaten, she's bruised, she is hurt, she has done nothing for him just yet. Yet he still looks at her and he sees that you are beautiful. 
So many times when we get beaten by life, when we go through stuff and we look bruised, we don't think that God sees us beautiful. Mm -hmm. The truth is, there's nothing you can do more to let God love you more. Mm -hmm. God loves you, period. And we need to settle in this love because if we don't, there will be other voices telling us yeah. that you got to do this for God. You know, you got to elevate your spirituality. You got to do this. You got to do that. But the thing is, it's great to improve, but we are loved. And he is saying to her, you haven't gone up the mountain yet. You haven't reaped one soul, even you're birthing them, but you haven't really gone up the mountain yet. She's about to, but, and he knows the intention of her heart, but he is highlighting her beauty. Now, the next one's beautiful, Jeff. Your stature is like that of a palm. Coming into Jerusalem, what is special about a palm tree? A palm tree is very different to every other tree. Every other tree, whenever they bear fruit, they try and bend or the fruit is heavy. So they rest. Palm tree will always be upright even in bearing fruit. So he is saying to her, you are upright in my eyes, even though you're carrying a lot of fruit. In other words, the fruit that you're carrying is not bending you towards yourself. It is completely in me. You're not looking, wow, I'm speaking in tongues. I'm, I'm prophesying. I'm healing the sick. You don't know what I've done, Jeff. You know, this person got healed and this person. That's all great. But all this fruit, you're, you're giving it to me. You're pointing it to me. So if you go back from today and you look at palm trees, mainly they're straight. Although they'll be carrying a lot of fruit. In other words, what he's saying that the more you carry the fruit, the more upright you are in my sight. So it's got nothing to do with you. You know that this is me. But what's beautiful is this. I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but female, I had to learn this. There are male palm trees and there are female palm trees. Wow. Okay. Now, the female palm trees, which is what I'm addressing, they, they bear fruit and they are upright, but not just that. They will only bear fruit if they were pollinated by a male. Is that not crazy? I that had is, to go and check wow. up. I had to go and read that. I was like, whoa, God, you just blew my mind. Yeah. So he is. <laughs> I didn't know, Jeff. I'm, I'm being honest. Um, and I was like, what? Yeah, I didn't know either. There's a female palm tree and a male palm tree, and it will only bear fruit if that actually happened. What does that mean? I'm talking from a spiritual sense now that when we are in union with Christ, we bear fruit. And Jesus said this in John. He said this, if you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear fruit. It's not a maybe. It's not an if. It is, and it happens. Guaranteed. You, yeah. It's guaranteed. All you have to do is be in Christ and he in you. So he's saying to her, because I pollinated you, because I entered into you, you entered into me in a spiritual sense, 
you are bearing fruit, but not just that you are like a palm tree. You're not a mango tree. You're not a, you know, whatever tree, because all those trees, the fruit gets heavy and then they rest, they relax, but you are upright and only palm trees can do that. And so he is saying that you are never inclined to yourself, although you carry a lot of fruit. And he is saying that you know that anything you bear comes from me. When you see the fruit, you don't say, oh, well, I'm a gifted speaker. And you get to hear that a lot, Jeff. In a lot of seeker-friendly churches, they'll be like, you know, introducing the speaker and they'll be like, they're a great communicator. Hmm. Since when are we called to be great communicators? It's great to obviously communicate the word. But the Apostle Paul said this to them. He said to the Corinthians, when I came to you, I was full of fear. I was trembling. But I wanted to preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanted to heal the sick and raise the dead. Why? Because I didn't want your faith to rest on human wisdom, hmm. but to be in the power of God. Yeah. <laughs> but today, it's not about the power of God anymore. It's not about relying on the Holy Spirit. It's about me learning how to be a good communicator. Mm-hmm. And so he is basically mm-hmm. saying to her, you bear fruit. It comes from me. The more you bear, the more upright that you are. And so he's praising her. I'm going to run to verses 10. He says, she says, wow, I can't go back. There's no going back. She basically says, I belong to my beloved. And his desire is for me. In other words, I'm going to read you one of one of the early church mothers. She said this, ever since the love of my beloved devoured me. I have been so lost in him that I no longer find myself. That is why I can say I am my beloved since he has changed me into himself and I no longer fear any separation. That's what she's basically saying. So now she's arrived at a new revelation. She's a palm tree. She's full of fruit. He pollinated her. Everything she has comes from him, and she's not going back. So what does she say? She says, come, my beloved, let's go to the field. Let's spend the night in the villages. In other words, come on, my beloved, let's go to Pakistan. Let's go to India. (laughs) I wrote this, and tears were crawling down my eyes. on my beloved let's go to iran you know i'm prophesying right now you know let's go to china let's go to all the places god that no one would go i'm here i'm ready i want you i'm not gonna return there's no going back i'm a palm tree my belly is full i carry the fruit of the holy spirit and so she's like i have nothing to fear come on my beloved she entered into the glorious participation of the immensity of god she is now not you not only uniting in him that's a distinction she is starting to be transformed into him and i always say this jeff that the highest calling is found in roman 8 that we are conformed to the image of christ mm. that we look like him sometimes you can be united with him but you don't look anything like him like you, yeah. you know it in But now she's not just uniting, she's being transformed. Now she is inviting him to go 
Okay, get this, Jeff. Out of the enclosure of her garden. You got to remember that. Where did she find him in the garden? In and the garden. Yeah. <laughs> he was comfortable in the garden. The garden is her. He said to her, you're the garden. So at the start, she's comfortable. She knows he's in her, her, you know, they're together. But now she's like, let's get out of the garden. <laughs> Something that I was thinking about, Yvonne, just uh, as a side note, I don't know if there's any connection to this, but I was thinking about she found him in the garden. What does Romans describe Jesus as? The new Adam. What was Adam's purpose? It was to tend the garden, you know? And and I was just like, huh. I was like, I wonder if there's there's something to that. That's that's that'd be kind of that'd be crazy. You know, you know what, Jeff? There's something really deep into that. Let me tell you something. God created Adam in the garden. Mm-hmm. Adam betrayed God in the garden, right? Mm-hmm. Then Jesus, who is the second Adam, right? What happened in, in um, Gethsemane, the garden? That's when he went to the cross. And where did Mary Magdalene find Jesus after his resurrection? In the garden. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. in the, on the head. Check you did, that right? out. <laughs> the Holy so Spirit revelation was, right there. That is just an air Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is out of the script Holy Spirit revelation. Yeah. Awesome. Love but it. You, you, are, you are so right. You start in the garden, but then when you know, and you are, um, you, you know, you die in the garden, you resurrect in the garden, but then after that, you're like, hang on a second. I'm not going to be bound to a garden. You know, I'm going to catch a plane. I'm going overseas. Mm-hmm. I'm going across yeah. the seas because I know he's in me. I know I'm in him. And you know what is super cute? She is now the one who's inviting him. Remember at the start? Remember verse two? He said to a girl, would mm-hmm. you come up with yeah. me? And, and Jeff, he was spoiling her. It was like, my beloved, my, you know, all those names. And then she's like, no, I'm, I'm not going. I, you know, I don't do mountains. Um, but now he, she is the one who is inviting him. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, come on, you know, let's go. So she's inviting him to go out of the garden. She is saying to him, come, my beloved, let's conquer the world for you. She's saying, my beloved, there isn't a place that is too small or that is too big for you. You're in me and I am in you. And so she says, let's go early to the vineyard to see if the vines have budded. Do you remember, um, Jeff, in chapter one, she complained about her vineyard. She said to him, I tried to tend my vineyard, but I couldn't. It was a destroyed vineyard. It was a bush. Now she has a vineyard and she's talking out of the vineyard. And she said, let's go and check it out. Let's go and check how it's doing. If if there's blossoms, if the pomegranate is out, she's basically inviting him. Let's go everywhere, my beloved. Let's go to a thousand places and find out what needs to be done. Let's go to Uganda. You know, let's go to Africa. Let's go there. Let's do. So basically what she's saying is let's go everywhere. And then she says, the mandrake sent out the fragrance at our door. You see the union, even in her language, both new and old. I have stored them up for you. So she's saying all the fruit that we will gather, they belong to you. 
all the possessions of the bridegroom now belong to the spouse and the bride. I have so stripped and spoiled all things and I have reserved all things for you. And she's basically saying, let us go. Where is that in the Bible? You get to see that in Matthew 4, Jesus is the one who's going out doing his missionary work. That is Matthew 4.23. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. It says then you went out, preached the kingdom message, healed the sick. And then later on in Matthew 9.35, he looks and at the people and he said they looked distressed as if they were sheep without shepherd. He called that for laborers. They went out with him. So he invited the 12. He invited the 72. And he said to them, come with me. Go and heal the sick and go and raise the dead. But then after the resurrection of Jesus and after they received the infilling work of the Holy Spirit, they were the ones that went out. And in Mark 16, 20, it says, and the Lord went out with them. Now that's a reversal. Before they used to wait until he goes and they would go with him. Now they are going because they know he will go with them. So this is a picture of her saying, you're in me, no more separation, let us go. And so she goes and they begin ministering together and we land in chapter eight. Chapter eight is the highlight. So I wanna, I'm going to jump into it. Is there any questions, Jeff, you want to ask me before? No, this is awesome. I love this. Okay, I love this. Yeah. She begins to say this to him. If you were only a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breast, and I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise us. Now, this is rooted in Middle Eastern culture. If you've yeah, ever- It's gone crazy to- weird if you just read it on its own. <laughs> According to Western practices, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a beautiful view as an example. So okay. we were in Dubai <laughs> a couple of years ago. And if you've ever visited Dubai, you will find, because these are Islamic countries, there are big signs, I mean big signs everywhere you go. And you know what the sign says? You are not allowed to show public affection. Interesting. So even if you're walking with your sister or your wife, even if you're walking down the road with Lauren, you cannot hold their hands. You've got to, it's just the way that Islam is and the way they are. So she is, although she loves him, but she still carries in her heart fear of men. She's still saying that I'm just a little bit concerned because I want to kiss you everywhere. I want to talk about you everywhere. I want to go crazy for you everywhere. Mm -hmm. But what will people think of me? Mm. So this is her saying that in me, and we all, Jeff, carry a bit of that. We all would be like... The Lord gave me a powerful prophetic word. But if I go and share, what will this person think of me? Mm-hmm. What will that person think of me? Yeah. You know, so we all carry mm-hmm. a bit of, I want to be radical for God, right? But what will, I mean, let me tell you, one of the early church mothers, as she mentioned, and fathers, her relationship, she was speaking about a divine intercourse. And that means union in the spirit. 
I found it hard to say that word. I was like, what would people think of me? You know, because I didn't want to come across as crazy radical. I wanted to involve everyone. But what is that? It is union. It is becoming one in Christ spiritually. So we all carry a bit of that. It's like, God, yeah. I want to express myself. Oh, and she's saying that. Hey, God, I love you, but I want to kiss you everywhere. I want to tell everyone I'm kissing God. I'm holding God. I saw God. But what will people think of me? And I believe, Jeff, God wants to deliver us all from fear of man. Mm. I love what the Apostle Paul said. He said, if I fear man, I cannot be a servant of Jesus. Yeah, that's a convicting verse right there. <laughs> and Jesus yeah. said to them, I don't care what you think of me. My father in heaven, he is the one who endorses me. Mm. In the book of Acts, I think it was Peter who said, Jesus, a man approved by God. You know, they killed him, they crucified him, but he was approved by God. So we need to come to a place of God. I'm going to serve you no matter what. And I actually don't care if they say you lost your mind, you, you did this. Well, the apostle Paul said, if I lose our mind, we lose it for the Lord. So to many, we will look like we're people who are too radical. And then she says, his left hand, the moment she said that, Jeff, she's like telling him, hey, I want to kiss you. I want to hug you. But I don't know what they're thinking of me. You know what he does to her? She looks and he's embracing her. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. He's basically saying to her, I don't care what they say about you. I actually don't care. And if you care, that's your problem. I'm going to hug you anyway. I'm going to lift you anyway. I'm going to use you anyway. And so he is delivering her in this verse from fear of man. Why? He's about to use her in a mighty way. And he does not want her to carry fear of man in her heart. And so in verses 8, um, in, in chapter, chapter 8, verse 4, he says this, Jeff. She's resting in his arms. Everyone can see them. Because remember, she was saying to him, there's people looking at us, so keep your distance. And he's like, no, come here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's coming her. And then um, he, she's asleep in his arms. Everyone can see. And he says, I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem, do not wake up my love until she pleases. Now, there's a couple of things I want to say here that those who want to enter into this mystic union there's three different types of rest this is the third time that he charges them not to wake her up the first one we call the rest of healing where really what's happening is that she is being detached from her senses in that rest you are detached from how you feel from what you think it's not about you anymore then he, second time he said this, it was the rest of resurrection where she learns the journey of dying to self. And it's not about her, it's about him. She doesn't have to go up the mountain. He will carry her up the mountain. But the, the third one is the rest of union. And this is where she is right now. He's not trying to do anything. She's resting because she needs to be confirmed in union. So the first one is the rest of pledges. The next one is a rest where God brings upon you. So you learn how to die and resurrect in Christ. 
I always say this to people, Jeff, that the Christianity is different to every other faith belief. Why? In the Western world, or when you look at all those different faith beliefs, like, you know, um, Buddhism and all this stuff, they work on the old men. In other words, mm. they will help you how to manage your anger. So anger's there. Anger's a spirit. Anger's there, right? And they'll help you how to manage anger. So they're working on the old men. In Christianity, we don't manage anger. Right. You can't eat out. Mm -hmm. So what happens is you die and you resurrect in Christ. You come out as a new creation. That is what she had to go through. And that is what she's learning. So if you're hearing this, it doesn't matter which stage you're in. But the beautiful thing is these are stages every believer will learn. The first one, you are detached of your senses. It's not about how you feel. So many times, Jeff, you, someone can be diagnosed with a chronic condition and they have cancer, for example. And they're like, look, I want to believe in healing, but you know, I'm just feeling in so much pain. In that journey, you learn that it's not about how you feel. You stand on the word of God for your healing. That is her first step. The next one is learning to die and resurrect in the Lord. But the last one, and that's where she is right now, the rest of union. In other words, I want you to be in my arms because you need to learn. You cannot hide your affection from me even in public. And so we get to even read, I'm not going to read the parable now, but there's a parable, I think it's in Matthew 18, but it's about Jesus talking about a king who went to a faraway country and he asked people to trade in his name. When he came back, he called them to settle the accounts. What was he saying? I want to see how much in public you will declare my name even when I am not present. Hmm. And so this is exactly the same thing. He's basically saying to a girl, you cannot hide your love to me in public. If you publicly declare me before men, I will confess you and declare you before my father in heaven. So when he hugged her, he's like, you don't need to worry about what anyone thinks of our love. You don't need to worry. I'm setting you free from the fear of men. Because I'm about to use you mightily. So you need to come in my arm, girl, in front of all these people. And they're watching. And then he turns to them and say, do not wake her up. But then he says, until she pleases. In other words, there's a time when you can come and say, Jeff, God, I am confirmed in union. I now know who I am in you. There's no fear of man. I am ready to go. And you remember, God did not release her just yet because she still had fear of man in her heart. And so in verses five, they look at her again. These are the believers. Who is this who is coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? This is the third time they see her coming up from the wilderness. A lot of us, we fear the wilderness, but we need yeah. to understand God speaks loud in the wilderness. Yeah, it does. What happened to Jacob in the wilderness? He came out leaning on God, remember? What happened? He wrestled with God. Mm -hmm. 
and the angel struck him and he came out leaping. Same thing. She is now, this is the third time that she now is coming and this is the third and final time. There's going to be no more wilderness for her. But she's looking at him and, and she still needed that time because she, want, she needed to be confirmed in love. And so this is beautiful. He says this to her, Jeff. He reminds her of her past. Under the apple tree, I aroused you. Where your mother conceived you. Where in great pain she delivered you. What happened under the apple tree? Under the apple tree, this is crazy. Eve, who had belonged to God, committed prostitution with the devil. Hmm. This takes you right back to Genesis. He reminds her that your mother Eve, under the apple tree, sold you out. And you were conceived in sin. There was prostitution that happened. And guess what? In the garden, again. So we come into the world. So he's saying to her, girl, you came into the world as an illegitimate child. You did not know who your real father is. But what did I do to you? I came to you under the apple tree because in Song of Song, chapter one, where does he meet her, Jeff? Under the apple tree. And he picks the apple tree and it says that under the apple tree, I sat under the shadow of whom he loved me. Isn't God amazing? Hmm. Isn't God why did he? Why didn't he choose an orange tree, whatever tree? Because he wanted to say to her that in chapter one, this is your salvation. You came, your mother Eve betrayed under the apple tree. So I come under the apple tree again. And so God does two things to the soul. He delivered her from all her wickedness and he restored her to himself. And that is the role of Jesus. Jesus saved us from the evil one, but then he reconciled us to God. Where did it all happen? Under the apple tree. Mm. So he's like, I came to you under the place where you were sold out to the devil, under the place where you did not know who you are, girl. You were a Shulamite. You were nobody. You were nothing. No one had any interest in you. Your vineyard was destroyed. Everyone looked upon you as nothing. But I found you and I saw you. Isn't that like Jeremiah 31? Isn't that even like Ezekiel 13? Isn't that even like Hosea who marries God says to prophet Hosea, go and marry a prostitute. Why God would you even ask me to do that? He wanted to tell his people that that's what we do. We prostitute ourselves with other gods. And then after that, when she betrayed him, God says to him, go and buy her back and tell her I love you. And I've chosen you for an everlasting covenant. And you have become mine. And I brought you unto myself. This is the same again. So Ezekiel talks about this. Hosea talks about this. Isaiah talks about this. And he is saying to a girl, I knew what happened under the apple tree. And so I came under another apple tree to tell you of my love to you. To buy you back so that you can become mine. And so under the apple tree, you sat under my shadow. And then he says this to her, Jeff, and sometimes it makes me cry reading this. He asks her, would you place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal over your arm? The arm has to do with everything you do in life. What, how many times during the day do you use your arm to do works? 
So he's saying to her, I want to be the seal over anywhere your heart goes and over anywhere your hand goes. I want to be that seal. And uh, you know where it says, guard your heart, because out of your heart come the issues of life. Mm -hmm. He's basically saying to her, um, and actually I'll continue the verse, for love is as strong as death. Its jealousy is cruel as hell. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. So he's saying this, too many, in actual fact, too many people are sealed with their failures. We are sealed with our past. We are sealed with our wrong decisions in life. And when we are sealed, we tend to walk in those paths. But he is saying, seal me. I want to be sealed with, I want you to seal me with my love. The Hebrew word for seal is this, prison cell. Be imprisoned in my love. Be my love prisoner. Like Paul if you if we've read the epistles, what does he? How does he introduce himself as Paul, a prisoner of Christ? He saw glory in that because he knew that the love of Jesus imprisoned him. He wasn't imprisoned in just a physical cell. He was imprisoned, confined in the cell of love. And so the bridegroom invites her to be set as a seal upon the heart. He is the source of her life. Therefore, it has to be the seal too. He desires also that she should set him as a seal on the arm so that everything she does will be reserved for him and nothing may move without his direction. So when he's the seal over the arm, whatever you do is sealed by him. Hmm. Whatever you do prospers. Whatever you do is marked by his graces. Why? Because his seal is over your um, arm. And so he says, love is as strong as death. His love is as strong as death. For it causes her to die to everything so that she may only live in him. So he's basically saying to her, my love caused you to die to the whole world. You no longer live in the world. You died to the world. Who did this? This was my love. Mm. So my love, my genuine, pure, unconditional love will cause any believer to die to the world, mm. to not live a life of compromise. But then he says, its jealousy is cruel as hell. So strong is his desire for her utter devotion. That if she moves away from his love, it would feel to her like she has been thrown in hell. And so I always say this to people, Jeff, I, burn, I believe in a literal hell. But mm -hmm. can I also say that? That hell to me also is to live a life apart from the Lord. Yeah. So I'm not saying that there's no hell and there's no fire. I'm not saying that I believe in what Jesus said, but I also believe that if I was to live my life away from his love and away from his purpose and calling, oh, Jeff, if I had the, if I had the whole world, it would seem like nothing to me because it would actually literally seem like hell. Mm -hmm. So he's basically saying to her, you are so marked in my love. You have no escape. Mm -hmm. And then he says to her, I want to tell you something. 
you carry a special type of love. He says, many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If anyone were to give all their wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. In other words, if someone is stupid enough to think that they can buy the gift of God with their money, it would be utterly rejected. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. And so I was thinking of Simon the Sorcerer um, when he saw the apostles laying hands and people were receiving the gift of God. And he said to Peter, he said, could you give me the ability so that if I lay my hand on anyone, they would also receive the gift of God. This is Acts 8.18. And Peter said to him, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. And so the bridegroom is saying to her, what we carry is deep, pure love. It cannot be bought with money. It cannot be bought with possessions. And so nothing can quench this type of love. You know, Jeff, we go through life and the storms hit hard. The trials hit hard. Temptations come. Tests come. And we go through really tough times. But those who are rooted in love, not in miracles, Not in signs and wonders. I've watched many people get healed and walk away from the Lord. Power does not change anybody. Love does. And that is why in 1 Corinthians um, 12, the Apostle Paul talks about the supernatural gifting of the Holy Spirit. Nine of them. But then the next chapter, he talks about love, which is 1 Corinthians 13. He says that if I speak with the language of angels and of men, but I have no love, I'm like a clinging symbol. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, so what do we do? We pursue God's gifts, but we pursue love. In other words, everything comes from love. I don't know if many people know this, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We say them wrong. We say that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The Greek doesn't read this way. The Greek says that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Full stop. Hmm. Out of love comes joy. Out of love comes peace. So there's a full stop that the English translations miss. So it's not like, oh, look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. No, no, no. The, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is actually one fruit. It's love. Mm. And out of love. Which, and that's- yeah. Which ties in with what Paul said where he's like, uh, the, you know, the greatest of these is love. And he's referring to, what is that? The, what, the, these Let's, three things endure. Yes. Well, I, uh, I can't remember what they are. It is First Corinthians 13. It says, let these three in, uh, endure hope, faith, and love. And the greatest and of these is love. Yeah. Out of this all is yeah. love. And and then he says this, that love never fails. In other words, if your love fails, it was never love. Maybe, and and, and a lot of people don't know this too, but the word love in in English is just love. In Greek, 
there's erotic love and that is love that is formed in relationships there is agape love that is the love that is unconditional between us and god um and then there's love between friendships so there's different types of love what i'm talking about here is the agape love it is the unconditional love of god that gets hold of the believer and transforms them and he is saying to her you have been confirmed in this type of love and i'm telling you there's gonna come what does he say he said there's gonna come waters there's gonna come rivers remember when jesus was teaching about the two houses and he said there's a house that's built on the rock and there is a house that's built on the sand mm -hmm. the two houses the same storms and the same rain they hit the two houses but one falls away and one is staying why because it is built on the rock it is who is the rock it is jesus christ himself so he is saying to her you are confirmed you are sealed with love i've given you the seal of the love and so there's gonna come waters there's gonna come floods there's gonna come a lot so and jesus said this in the world you will find trouble and tribulation but don't worry you're confirmed in love you've got me i've got you and he said to her you're gonna come across rivers and waters but nothing will quench the love that i have for you and so i love the next part jeff she begins now to minister and she is now opening up to him and she is sharing the affairs of believers so she's coming to him with a believer that she's met and she doesn't know how to minister to her so she's going to him to tell him how do we do it together mm -hmm. i love that so she says to him we have a little sister what's a little who who are our brothers and sisters those people that we minister to and her breasts are not yet grown what does that mean what shall we do to our sister on the day she is spoken for spoken for in middle eastern culture is when a girl is ready to be married other boys they go and speak to her father for her to, to marry her so she's saying we've got this sister but she's not mature she has no breasts and in the spiritual dimension it means that she's a sister she's a believer but she's not bearing fruit and we want her to bear fruit mm -hmm. we want her to receive the facility to be able to feed others right. how do we do it so the spouse is so happy with her bridegroom that they now share everything in common she speaks with him about the affairs of everyone else and she's like what do we do she has no breasts in other words this soul has no inclination to even birth others in the lord so she meets this believer she ministers to her she receives jesus but she just wants to keep jesus for herself she doesn't want to birth anyone else and you get to see that that's the condition of many but because the bride is so faithful she's telling him how do we help her to do that and the bridegroom he gives her the solution he says okay if she's a wall we will build towers of silver on her we will build up and if she is a door we will frame her with boards of cedar what is he saying if she is a wall let's build towers of protection in other words maybe this new believer 
is scared to tell others of me because she may be scared she can get attacked by the enemy. Why don't we build protection? Why don't, why don't you go and tell her that don't be scared to tell others about me because I am her protector. I will protect her from all the attacks of the enemy. And then if she's a door, in other words, she is open to my work, a place where I can enter, then we will frame her with graces and with virtues. In other words, I can bestow on her a grace. I can give her gifts to go and minister to others. So every believer is precious in the sight of God and the spouse carries the key to go to the bridegroom. And we should be all doing that, Jeff. We meet someone, we minister to them, and we find roadblocks. Rather than coming up with our own theology or coming with giving them a prophetic word that unlocks them, all this stuff, what do we do? We go to the bridegroom and we're like, Lord, I met this girl. She's a believer now, but I don't know what's stopping her, what's hindering her. And the Holy Spirit will give you a very custom-made key to unlock this person and build her. And so he begins to tell her, build a wall. If she, or, you know, or if she's a, a door, I'll bestow graces. And the bride is like, I'm a wall. And my breasts are like towers. Thus, I have become in his eyes as one that, fa- that found favor. So she looks at herself and sees that she has become a wall. She has so much, remember, in ver- I think in chapter 4, where she looks around and he says to her, I set around you a thousand shields of protection. She had forgotten that. And he's saying to her, look at yourself. Look at the shields of protection. In other words, she agrees with the success of his plan. She says, I am myself a wall of such strength. And my breasts are like the tower, which may serve as an asylum and defense to multitudes of soul, since I have become in his eyes as one who is highly favored. So she is saying, Jeff, that I can help. I know how to help. So at the beginning, she didn't know. But now she's like, oh, I have all this protection around me. I can go and tell her that she can also be protected like I am protected. But what I'm trying to highlight here is that when she met a believer, it was like, God, me and you will do this together. We will minister together. We will, I will hear your counsel. In other words, Jeff, she's not doing anything um, on her own. Right. Then she comes and says this in verses 11, Solomon had built a vineyard which has people in it. He delivers it to keepers. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. So the king has set this vineyard. And guess what, Jeff? The vineyard is now bringing a lot of profit. You remember early in chapter one, the vineyard was destroyed. Right. Remember when she said to him, hey, I'm a vineyard, but I don't know how to look after myself. I'm a bush. But now... This vineyard that Solomon has built is now bringing in. And can I tell you, the number 1,000 in the Bible has to do with perfection in God. So she is bringing abundant fruit to the Lord. And and then so so, and not, not just that, in the next verse, 
She says, but my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon. So she's saying to him um, that this vineyard is now mine. You've given it to me, but I'm going to give you all its fruit. I'm not reserving any to myself. If it's made a thousand shekels, they belong to you, my Lord, because it was you who transformed me, who united me into you. So I'm not keeping any of the prophets to myself. Everything that is coming is now belonging to you. And so we end up with the bridegroom saying, you who dwell in the gardens with friends in attendance, let me hear your voice. He's saying to a girl, I want you to speak louder than ever. I want to hear your voice. I want, and I just believe that, Jeff, even right now, that there's going to be people listening to this and the Lord is saying to them, I am going to amplify your voice. Mm. I'm going to give you a platform and I'm going to allow your voice to ring in the different corners of the world. You know, you tell me, Jeff, during Jesus's days, there was no YouTube. There was no media channels. There was nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Yet his voice rings louder than ever. The, The Apostle Paul writing Philippians in a prison cell, you know, Today, it rings louder than ever. God has a way of saying to her, girl, you are so faithful. You trusted me all along. And now you have a beautiful vineyard that is bringing forth a thousand shekels of silver. And you come to me every day and you give it to me. And so she begins to say this, and I'm going to end with this, Jeff, and we'll pray Flee away, my beloved, like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. She is saying to him, flee away, my beloved, and let's go to all, let's leave all the places where the souls there don't want to hear you. But let's go to the mountains of spice. Let's go to the places where there will be people who will hear the gospel. Let's go to the hungry. Let's go to the thirsty. But she is now the one that's saying to him, nothing will hold me back. Nothing will scare me. And my beautiful vineyard that is now yielding so much fruit all belongs to you. Hmm. I will give it to you. And together you are the seal. You've given me the seal of fire. You sealed my heart. You sealed my arm. I look so like you right now. And we have a lot of work to be done. Let's get started. Let's Mm. go. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. So good. Man. (laughs) So we start with someone who is a nobody, Jeff. Yeah. Nobody. No identity. To someone now who's very profitable. To someone who's bearing fruit. To someone who looks mature, Mm -hmm. birthing. Not just a mother, but a nurse as well. And the Lord's heart is for us, all of us, wherever we are on the journey, that we would move to the next level up until we reach that level of maturation to be like the Shulamite, the bride who can come and say, when we stand before Jesus, Lord, look at all these souls. Look at all these people, God. Look at all, you know, I spoke to her in the mall. I spoke to her on the train. I spoke to her in the, in, in the elevator. I, you know, and everyone will have a story. And I just have this 
vision of heaven. We're going to be sitting around with Jesus and everyone's just going to share how we met, how we spoke, but God is bringing and releasing. I feel such boldness over his people. And this is going to be the start of a beautiful journey for so many people. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Yvonne, go ahead and pray. Amen. 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 Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you because you were there yes. since the start of this. So I just release your presence. And Father, I ask you right now to intensify your presence. Father, every single person right now, Lord, everyone who is saying, I want to be like the bride. I want to be like the Shulamite. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask, Lord, that whatever needs to happen, that you would do it for them. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I bind every demonic spirit of fear. Yes. Every demonic spirit, God, of fear of man. What will she think of me? What will he think of me? I bind those demonic spirits in the name of Jesus. And I just ask right now, Lord, that you would begin, Holy Spirit, to reveal to them how beautiful they are, how beautiful, and the plans and the purposes, God, that you have for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, as the, as the Shulamites continue to rise above, I prophesy over them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, that they will begin to rise above, that they will begin to see progress, that they will become unstuck. That's a word. I'm getting this word for somebody that the Lord is saying to you, you've been stuck for so many years. You've been going around the mountain, but right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are getting unstuck in the name of Jesus to enter the fiery carriage of God and to begin to rise and to go with your beloved to everywhere. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I want you, if you are hearing this, get ready because you're about to receive something from God. And I call this that it's the seal of fire. He said to us, set me like a seal. And I am believing that the moment I say this, that you will receive the seal of fire that will set you ablaze again. If you are in a season of dryness or lukewarmness, Father, in the name of Jesus, here it comes. I release the seal of yes. fire right now over the heart. Many of you, you will begin to weep. You will begin to feel that something is touching your heart father i release the seal of fire over the arms you will begin to feel like someone is just touching your arm i want you to welcome the presence of the holy spirit because moving forward and after today every time you minister every time you are in his presence he will show you the seal of fire over your heart and over your arm father in the name of jesus i consecrate the hearts for you right now this is the time where you come and say lord i give you all of my heart 
all of my heart. And the Lord says, I want all the works of your arm. Whatever you do, this is a word for someone I will bless. I will bless the work of your arm. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I release the blessing over the hands, over the arms, over their works, over their ministries, over their businesses, over their marriages, families, finances. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, they are imprisoned in your love. You are the source of this love and the seal. Father, I thank you. And I just see that the Father is releasing many, many fiery seals. And I see so many of you. Your hands are just lifted high as you are like, Lord, this is me. This is me. You're setting me ablaze right now. You are setting the seal of fire. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I I hear someone else saying, Yvonne, I'm not worthy. And the Lord is saying, daughter, Son, it's never by your works. It was never by what you do. It is by my grace. All you need to do right now is to lift up your hands and receive. Say, Lord, I'm receiving this by faith. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for the work of the ministry. I thank you for where you're taking me. I thank you for the places that we will go together. I thank you for the souls that you will bring, Father. I thank you for everything that you will use me to do. Mm -hmm. And I see the Lord releasing the seal of fire over your tongue and your lips. And the Lord is saying, I'm anointing your lips. I'm anointing your tongue. So when you begin to speak, the fire of my love will consume the hearts of many. It will consume the minds of many with my love. So Lord, I thank you. And I see it's almost like this goldish oil that the Lord is just touching your lips with. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Lead us, for what you're doing, that tonight will mark the lives of many forever. And I see the Lord literally baptizing you in love. I see what Mm -hmm. seems to me right now like the Jordan River. And the Lord takes me back to when we were in Israel. And the Lord said that I am supernaturally right now baptizing you in my love. And as you are baptized in love, you will be confirmed in love and it will mark your ministry and your life. Father, I thank you because you're baptizing so many, God, in love. I ask that every single one who watches this, Father, will be baptized in love and will receive the seal over the heart, the arm, the tongue, and the lips. And I thank you. And I see the Lord touching the feet of many and saying, I'm anointing your feet because you're about to walk into places and where your feet, where the soles of your feet touch, the Lord says, I'm giving those places to you. And I just see the Lord touching your feet right now, giving you new territories. And, and the Lord is saying, get ready for this coming revival. It will be marked by my love and by my goodness. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, I, also, when you were praying for the fire, I saw this picture of, uh, it was a really interesting image, but it was like this half, like basically like, from like the chest down to like the lat area, this was like missing. And then I saw fire come and I saw actually that whole area get rebuilt. And 
the word of knowledge I had was that someone's shoulder is getting healed. It specifically was the right shoulder. So Lord, we just thank you for that healing. We just thank you for that healing in the right shoulder. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. And I just think Amen. joints. For some reason, I just hear joints in general. Um, knees, elbows, hips. Mm. Be healed in Jesus' name. Fire of God, touch them. Thank you, yes. Lord. Yes, yes. And I see this, Jeff. I see that there's someone, and they've gone through a lot of uh, abuse, and the hair started to fall. Mm. And I, I saw the Lord just touch the hair, and you begin to sense that in the next few weeks and even months, that your hair will come back so strong. Thank you, Lord. Because yeah. I, I feel that the Lord is healing you. From head to toe. This is the word I'm getting. Head to toe. Wow. The, the mm. strong presence of the Lord is, is very strong. Mm. So strong. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I, I believe, Jeff, many will never be the same. Yeah. And oh, absolutely. This book. <laughs> they'll cherish this book forever as the Holy of Holies. Yeah. Oh, I I can say with confidence that it's it's now become one of one of my more uh, favorite books. To be honest, like I, just there's so much depth to it, and I just didn't. That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation right there. That's something that like God opens the scriptures up to us. Yes. You know, and and you can. That's why it's so fun to read the Word, and the more you read it, the more you'll pass over something. And you suddenly you go, the Holy Spirit yes. highlights and you go, how come I never noticed this verse before? Or all of a sudden you see a, a deeper meaning behind something. And it's just uh, this never ending book yes. of revelation. Uh, and there's nothing else like it on earth. Um, Absolutely. You know, and if I can humbly say, yeah, it's God breathed. And you know what, Jeff, if I can humbly say that, we did not even scratch the surface. Yeah. I can I can be honest, guys. I know it might sound like, what are you saying, Yvonne? Honestly, we did not scratch the surface. God mm. will take me beyond even everything we talk. Because it's the Holy Spirit. There's no depth mm. to his love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. even like you and I were talking uh, back uh, backstage, I think it was after the second second part two there's a there's a, a section where uh, i'm trying to find it really quick um yeah i think it's right here where it talks about behind your eyes are doves yes and um i i i was talking to you about it i was like the the holy spirit bore witness in the form of a dove upon jesus and so we equate doves with the Holy Spirit and um, and that seeing his life in our eyes, seeing the yep. Holy Spirit, what happens when we say, yes, we get the Holy Spirit. It's it's now in us um, and moving through us. And so when when God looks at us, he sees that life of the Holy Spirit in our eyes. And I was just like, like <laughs> talking about backstage, I was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah, and even Jeff on air when we were talking about the belly, I didn't think up. You know, the Holy Spirit pointed to you about the belly and the river flowing out as the Spirit of God. Absolutely, John seven thirty seven. What we just read, 
So that's what God does. You pick up and God takes you way deeper. So I just feel that many are going to be lovers, brides of the Lord, despite if you say I'm a girl or a boy, I am a lover, I'm a bride, I'm united mm-hmm. to Jesus, and my life will never be the same. Yeah. 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 Amen. Um, I want to point out really quick uh, before we close out, um, Illumination put a song uh, in the um, stuff we talked about section. It's the You Won't, Re- you Won't Relent song by uh, Misty Edwards. Um, so yes. that actually pulls from some verses from, um, from Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, if you guys are wanting to spend more time with the Lord, I would even just click that link right away. It'll take you to a YouTube link and you can just soak in God's presence and just spend some more time with him um, as well. So, Yvonne, how can people follow you? You got exciting stuff always on the horizon. (laughs) Yes. So, Jeff, it's celebratefreedomministries.org. Um, we have discipleship classes. These are completely free every Wednesday night from eight to nine. So if you want to get deeper in the world, connect with us and become, you know, attend those classes. And then you have my YouTube channel, Yvonne Atelier. I'm both on YouTube and Rumble. So these are mm. all different ways that you can connect with us. So good, Yvonne. Well, <laughs> God bless you, so you. This is so great. Thank you for, there's so much work involved in this and, and, um, I know it's going to bear much fruit. Uh, I know I saw Jim in the comments saying this has been his favorite teaching series so far. (laughs) And I think like, it's definitely up there for me for sure. You know? (laughs) So uh, yeah, seriously, just thank you so much. It was just, um, I'm, I'm changed because of it. So thank you, Jeff, you've made it so easy. It's so beautiful to minister with people that you love and that are in the Mm -hmm. same spirit. I want to say thank you. I'm humbled by everything and by your love, by the team, by Steve. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. You're so welcome. So everybody <laughs> have a blessed Wednesday or have a blessed Wednesday. Also, ElijahStreams.com is how you guys donate. You get the double whammy. You support this ministry and you get in on those water well efforts that we're doing in Uganda and beyond. So God bless you guys. And we will see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific to 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> Love you guys. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Thank you.